I'll go ahead and get started. Uh, you are in the mountaintop experience talk, so if you meant to be somewhere else, feel free to leave. But is it? I'll pick a quick boost for this. Uh, you guys were in the other talk, same thing. Medical Strategic Network. This is something I was involved with as a med student. If you guys are at that level of training, or if you're interested in, yeah, representatives back there. Uh, they're a good organization. Teaches you how to integrate faith into your uh, medical practice. Uh, there's brochures uh, both for uh, students, nursing students, medical students, and for uh, people who are already out on the table over there. So if you want to pick one up on your way out, uh, let me start off with a quick word of prayer. Father, we give thank you, give thanks to you for this time uh, for us to gather here to learn, uh, to be nourished. We ask that you open our open our spirits, open our wills, uh, make us moldable and pliable, and uh, bring us in line with your will. Thank you for Jesus and his work on the cross to forgive us of our sins in Christ's name. Amen. The Mountaintop Experience, Confessions of a Short-Term Missions Addict. Like any good 12-step program, the first step is always to admit that you have a problem. Does anybody know where this is at? Out of curiosity? No. This is Kilimanjaro. Um... These are my confessions. This is this is a kind of fairly loosely written lecture. Um, it is very personal. It is very real. Um, uh, it is very raw in a sense. And that's kind of the way I meant it to be. Uh, my name is Drew Huang. I am a resident in surgery, specifically in plastic surgery, at the University of California Medical Center in Sacramento. Um, why am I standing here? I submit to you that there's nothing about me personally or professionally that qualifies me to stand in front of you and act like I'm an expert in anything, except for the fact that in this particular lecture, I have been on many short-term trips. And I just calculated, I think I've spent 16 months uh, on some short-term trip or another, medical mission, all of it, uh, in about the past eight years or so. Um, so really, that's my only qualification uh, to be here. There are many of the people who are better qualified and much more well-spoken than I am to talk about uh, the many issues and topics that revolve around short-term medical missions and maybe uh, the slightly darker underbelly of that. Uh, but for some reason, they picked me, and I really, really wanted them to pick me. Um, however, I have no financial or industrial disclosures. There are certain things that I'm not, and I, and I don't want to pretend, and I just want to get those out of the way. Um, I am not a long-term missionary. Um, I'm not a missiologist. That is, I don't study this full-time, um, and, I, and I haven't. Um, I'm not particularly well-read on this topic. I know there are a lot of books on this topic that you can read. I've read some of them, not all of them, and not half of them, I'm sure. I am not a board-eligible physician in any specialty. I am still in training um, and will be for quite some time. There are certain things that this lecture is not designed to be either. Uh, this is not an authoritative lecture. I don't pretend to have uh, the answers, or in fact, I don't pretend to have any answers. Um, oh, dang it. That last time, too. Uh, it's not authoritative. It's not exhaustive. Um, we're going to be touching on just a few points on what is a very deep topic. Um, it is not original. This is stuff that has been, like I said, written about in other books and talked about by people much more eloquent than I. Um, it's not particularly well organized either. Like I said, this is fairly raw. Um, 
what this lecture is, or what I hope it to be, there's a lot of questions. I'm going to ask a lot of questions during this thing. Um, I'm not going to provide a lot of answers, but I'll ask a lot of questions, and I'll ask you guys to hopefully chime in on some of that. This is a lot of my personal thoughts and reflection um, over, over the years uh, since I started medical school and since this uh, journey started for me. This is a lot of confessions on my part of things that I know that I uh, don't quite have the right motives for, things I have not done well. And in the process, much like medical education, it is a continuous learning process. It's a discussion with you. Um, I will, during most of this talk, speak in the third person plural and the first person plural. I talk like that, but most of the time I'm actually meaning to speak in the first person singular. These confessions are mine, um, even though I may have a hard time saying it. Uh, quick survey of you guys. How many guys are in medicine? Doctors, residents, med school, all right. Any nurses? Um, all right, a few. Any allied health, other? Yeah, all right. Uh, and let me ask you, how many guys have never been on a short-term trip? You really want to, but you've never been. All right, a few of you. How many of you got, have gone on a short-term trip? The longest you've gone is uh, two weeks or less. Okay, how many of you guys have gone? The longest you've gone is about two months or less. Okay, and how many of you guys have gone, say, uh, two years or less? Yeah, okay. Are there any long-term missionaries here? Great. All right, so we have some experience on all those fronts. I'm, I'm glad to see that, and I, I'll look forward to your input. Um, my own experiences, I'll go over this fairly briefly, uh, but just to sort of give you a picture of what I've done, uh, you know, what I've done. Um, I started actually, actually at this METS conference. They did a very short weekend trip to Mexico, because this is in Southern California, and that's kind of a starting point. Um, and I came to this conference. This is actually my sixth time, sixth time at this conference. And I've come year after year many times to find opportunities for short-term medical missions, going through these exhibit halls as many, as, as many of you guys have done. My first trip was a second-year medical student. In my spring break, I went with FAME. They've, they've got a booth here. I uh, went to the DR for a week with them, did itinerant medical clinics. My third year, I went to uh, Baptist Medical Center in northern Ghana. That was an IMB hospital at the time for six weeks on a surgery rotation. Uh, my fourth year, I went with GHO, the short-term uh, outbranch of CMDA, to Honduras for a week, and then later for about eight weeks to uh, the ABW Heed Malamgat, Bangladesh, uh, Memorial Christian Hospital. Uh, in my second year of surgery residency, I took a month of my vacation. I went to the Nazarene Hospital in Kujip, Papua New Guinea. Uh, and then I decided to take a year off residency altogether. I took a leave of absence from the university, and I spent a year at the AIM Hospital in Kapswar, Kenya. This was a question that got me started on this topic. Um, this is a question that really sort of made me think about all the issues, uh, all the very complex issues surrounding short-term medical missions, especially from a Christian perspective. And I heard this from more than one surgeon that I've worked with in more than one place. And this, this was the question. Does short-term medical missions vaccinate participants against long-term medical missions? By going on to short-term medical missions, are we vaccinating ourselves against going into long-term medical missions? Now, this talk um, has more than just that, and I'll talk a little bit about this, but this was sort of the question that got me started, and, and we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, I said this was not very well organized, and then I felt bad about this, so then I threw in a couple slides to give you a quick overview of what we will be talking about. Um, we'll talk about some of the sh motivations for short-term medical missions, the good, the bad, uh, the ideal motivations, and some of the more suspect ones. Um, we'll talk about the effect of short-term medical missions, us versus them, us being the people going, them being the people we, you know, serve. And the, the question, really, who, who benefits more, the, quote, missionary or the heathen, the server or the served? 
We'll talk about some of the challenges that people have brought up to short-term medical missions. These are numerous. I'll focus on just three. Uh, Santa Claus, money and finances, and then the vaccination issue. Then finally, uh, as you know, when you're on the mountaintop, not a lot of oxygen. You can feel kind of high. But we'll talk about that, being on the high, being on the mountaintop, being on a spiritual high. So let's talk about uh, some of the motivations for short-term. This is a whole conglomeration of motivations that I've identified myself and in other people who, that I've talked to. Uh, you know, why do we want to go? Like, why are we here at this conference? Why, why do we go through these booths? What are we looking for when we're looking for short-term medical mission trip? What motivates us to go? I think at a very basic level, it's, it's altruism. It's the desire to do good. I think that's a universal desire, really, among everybody. Um, there, there are many, many reasons to go on short-term visits. I've met many people who want to bring their families along and their children uh, to have sort of a family growing experience, uh, to expose their children to the developing world, to poverty outside the United States. People go because they want to learn new skills. Uh, they want to see different pathologies. Uh, people go, or they say they go, they, they want to follow Jesus' example of, of healing and ministry. Jesus, I think, was perhaps the only person in history that melded those things together perfectly. And uh, for the medical missionaries since then, we've struggled. Uh, but we're trying. We try to get this, this mixture of, of healing and ministry, of preaching the word and healing the sick. Wanting to put my talents to good use, to help the needy. Which is great, until you put the Maya in italics and the, and the, you know, the quotations around talents, and then the Maya in italics. Uh, and all of a sudden, it, it sounds a little more selfish. But, but I've heard many people say that. I, you know, I have these talents, I want to use them to help the needy. Um, I've had people tell me, you know, I want to go on a short-term mission trip because um, I want to grow spiritually with God. Um, I want to meet God there. Um, that's the so-called mountaintop experience, which I myself and any of you guys who have been on short-term trips have, have most likely experienced. So these are, you know, some of the motivations for short-term medical missions. There are other less, you know, selfish, less selfless reasons. Uh, just going for the adventure, uh, going for travel, getting the uh, new passport stamp. Um, Sightseeing, organizing it with, with the jungle trip or with a safari and doing that sort of thing. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of bizarre reasons why you want to do short-term trips. There was a... <laughs> lots, lots of interesting reasons. Uh, there, there was an article in the World Journal of Surgery about three years ago. Um, there was a commentary written by an ophthalmologist. And this is a, a secular person writing about... Um, short-term mission trips from a secular perspective. But this is something that she said. Naturally, any act of volunteerism is driven by a combination of altruistic and egoistic motives. I'm going to suffer, work hard, perhaps risk my life, but I will learn, gain confidence, and have fun. I think uh, for myself, for the majority of us, and here I am you know, talking in that third person, uh, first-person plural, but it is a combination of those motives. Um, our motives are not necessarily always selfless, always pure. They are a combination of all those things. Indeed, we are complex people. Our motivations are complex as well. Now, if we were to talk about you know, what should be the real motivations uh, behind short-term medical missions, um, idealistically, uh, why, why do we come to this conference and why do we go on short-term trips? Um, well, you know, ideally, it's because uh, we want to follow the will of God. Uh, we want to see the kingdom of, of God spread and spread the gospel of Christ. Um, a few years ago, Dave Thompson had this great topic here, and he talked about love. We, we want to love the people um, that, that we serve. That love translates both into 
um, you know, healing them, touching them medically, and also presenting the gospel to them and wanting to see them have a personal relationship with Christ. That love is sort of the overarching theme behind all of that. These are, in fact, you know, the real motivations. Um, and what do they have in common? Well, you know, they're kind of not self-aware. Um, they're focused on other people. They're focused on the kingdom. They're focused on God. They're not really focused on us. Uh, I was, it was kind of funny because, um, you know, the talk earlier today in the plenary session, that shirt, right, I, I heart medical missions. In a, in, a, in a way, that's kind of me in a lot of ways. And this is, this is a lot of me struggling through that. This is a topic that I know has been talked about a lot, and I think um, it's fairly simple. Well, it's not that simple, but the question is very simple. Who benefits more, uh, the people who are being served or the missionary that is serving them? Uh, and again, I'm talking in short, about short-term medical missions. There's a quotation I found um, kind of saying this. There's been a shift in the purpose of short-term missions from reaching the lost to pleasing the goers, giving them an experience to remember. This is, not, uh, this is not exclusive to medical missions. This is just short-term missions from the church in general that that quotation came from. Um, and I think it's true in many ways. This was something I found, <laughs> found online. These are some of the ideas that have been uh, tossed out for, for short-term trips. Uh, I don't think any of these actually got realized. But uh, a short-term missions cruise, the idea is that every new port, the cruisers slash missionaries would pour down the gangplank and distribute tracts to the locals. Okay. A women's project to China where a major attraction is the shopping. A drama or sports project to Europe where a major attraction is the sightseeing in Europe. Um, okay. All right. Um, who, who benefits more and, and who should benefit more? In my own field, in, in surgery, like I said, I've, I've done a lot of short-term trips, and, and most of them have been in surgery and in surgical settings. Um, there was, there was another article uh, published by a surgery resident who, at my level a few years ago, went to Tenwick Hospital for a year. Um, did kind of similar to what I did in, at uh, Capsor Hospital in Kenya. Worked there for a year, got a lot of good experience, came back, wrote a journal article about it, and got it published. This is a, this is a Christian guy. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him yet, but a Christian guy, and writes and publishes his experience. In his discussion, he has this quotation talking about this idea. Concerning the questions generated as to the goals and value of surgical volunteerism during residency, it is of my opinion that the greatest benefits are derived personally by the volunteer. Although it's certainly not necessary to surgical training, this experience can only serve to enhance it and provide unique perspectives that ultimately may translate into a more effective surgeon. I think this guy, Dr. Altman, had very good insight into this. He realized that what he was doing by going uh, to Tenwick for a year is personally benefiting himself. The greatest benefit was for himself. And I think that's a very, uh, very realistic assessment of short-term medical missions. So when we talk about the effect that we have or the affected who is affected more, again, my personal opinion is that we really should have no delusion that what we are doing is necessarily has a long-term impact. Um, it can, but, but I have, seeing my own experiences, I have a hard time uh, sometimes, sometimes translating that into long-term effect. I think if we go in realizing that, in fact, we are the ones that are most blessed from this. We are the ones that will come out changed from this. We're not changing the culture of where we're going. We're going there for a couple weeks, a couple months, maybe a couple years. Um, but the change most occurs in us as the volunteer, as the missioner. 
what, what sort of changes does that mean? Like, what are the changes in us? And what is it exactly that is good about those changes? I'm not saying they're bad at all. Those changes, I think, are very positive. Um, one of the changes, I think, maybe the most important one, especially in short-term medical missions, is the life-changing view of poverty that we find when we go outside North America, um, outside of the United States and Canada. This is perhaps, I think, the single most life-changing thing the first time you go on a medical mission trip that, that you're affected by is seeing what true poverty is like. Because poverty is definitely different in America than it is in the developing world. Seeing that poverty, realizing the global inequity, um, is indeed a change that occurs in us. We become motivated by that. It becomes part of us. We can't forget those images. Those are all very, very good things. Not only that, but the changes that... that we have on the mission field, we bring that back home to Canada and to America. Um, and we talk to our friends and our family and our churches. In doing that, we can change them, motivate them, inspire them. Here's a quote by Alex Smith talking about short-term missions in general. Impact is not the only factor for measuring short-term missions. The growth of the participants themselves, their influence on other church members, Their involvement in mission programs of their home churches are also vital outcomes. A careful focus on using short-term missions outreach through strategies integrated into church mission programs has mostly accomplished a positive impact on the overall ministry of the churches. This is a controversial statement, but I believe it's mostly true. I think that the changes that do occur in us in short-term trips when we come back home and the way that we disseminate that out, if we're good about it, to our friends, family, and churches is overall positive impact. So it changes not only us, but it changes those around us. Here's a slightly more cynical view of it, though. (laughs) Does it change them for the better? Are they inspired for the right reasons, or are they sometimes inspired for the wrong reasons? Let me go over a list of things that I've heard, and I'm sure most of you guys have heard, upon coming back from a short-term medical missions trip. And they go something like this. You come home, you give your speech, your presentations, or you talk to friends and family, and or you're in the clinic, you're in the hospital, and they say stuff like, wow, what a sacrifice you've made, or what, what a wonderful thing you've done, right? And you kind of feel a little awkward. Or they say things like, well, you, you get to practice medicine the way it was meant to be practiced. Uh, it, it must be so nice to just be unencumbered by other distractions and, and really focus on the patient, like just being there. Uh, you don't have to worry about malpractice or defensive medicine, and then, and then the one that really gets me when I hear this. The patients must be so grateful. And you sort of stand there and say, uh, yeah. It's not true. The patients are not always grateful. And if they seem like it, it's probably just because you haven't been there long enough. You don't always get to practice wild, free medicine, you do have to think about other cultural aspects that come into it that can be somewhat defensive. And is it really that much of a sacrifice? I mean, I went to Honduras for a week. Moving on, some of the challenges uh, behind short, or some of the challenges to short-term medical missions. Uh, and these are, like I said, there's, there's a litany of them. I'll just focus on a few of them. But this was, again, another quotation by a guy named Chris Hertz that talked about uh, short-term missions in general. They're intelligent, but doctrinally confused. 
lonely but community-resistant, cause-driven, yet commitment-averse, idealistic, yet cynical, magnanimous, yet suspicious. I'll talk about the first challenge, um, some, th- some things that people talk about, short-term medical missions, the, that dark underbelly. One is what I call the Santa Claus syndrome. Not necessarily a bad thing. The way it's supposed to go is it's supposed to go something like this. The short-term missionaries appear uh, and they see the need before them. Not only do they see the need, they recognize the inequity in it. They realize that they've been given so much and these poor people have been given so little. Why is it that God has blessed me with so much and God hasn't blessed them with, with as much as I have? Truly, there's no good reason for that, right? It's just God decided that. Like, I, was, I happen to be born in America. They happen to be born in Rwanda. Um, but they realize that, and they recognize the inequity. They, don't, they realize that there's something you know, fundamentally kind of unfair about that. This, they give graciously out of their abundance um, to help them, to improve lifestyle conditions. Uh, they invest in the local indigenous church and, and give them monies to support them because they realize that. That's the way it's supposed to work. The way that it often works, and again, here I'm talking in third-person plural, but this is me. You see the need, you feel overwhelmed by it, and then you attempt to work extra hard to keep up with it, neglecting other things, perhaps, to try to work really hard. And then you still feel overwhelmed. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'll just give a lot of money, or I'll give gifts, or, or I'll... I'll contribute to the new you know, church building fund or I'll buy a bunch of books for the school. I, I, I can't handle it. Just here, take something. I feel so bad, right? That's sort of the Santa Claus syndrome. We recognize that. We see that. Maybe we've even experienced that. We understand that that's not the way it's supposed to be and ultimately because it creates dependency. That, that sort of evil word that nobody wants to have associated with their mission. We don't want to create dependency um, at all. But the Santa Claus syndrome can create this expectation of gifts. Uh, it can create you know, really bad cultural misunderstandings. Um, yeah. Here's another challenge to short-term missions, money, expenses. And I'll tell you a really funny discussion I had. Not that funny, actually. Kind of serious, but odd. Um, this, is, this was when I was in Kenya, and I was sitting down and I was having a discussion with a Kenyan surgeon who actually had been trained at one of the big mission hospitals in Kenya, and an American surgeon who was visiting for several months, short-term volunteer, sitting down like after after tea, you know, and having a discussion. And the Kenyan surgeon, again, who's been trained at one of these mission hospitals by expatriate surgeons, said something to the effect of like, you know, I really think that all these short-term missionaries. He actually went so far as to say long-term missionaries. These short-term missionaries are really spending their money very poorly. You know, think about how much money it costs to get a ticket. To, to Kenya, it's about two thousand dollars, and then you actually have to pay the, the, the usually you have to pay the hospital for room and board, and then there's transportation to and from the airport. It's a fairly long distance. That's a lot of money. You know what you guys should be doing is you should just be writing checks from America and supporting the national uh, indigenous missionaries here, or supporting the national doctors here, helping them getting a training and learning like I've gotten, and then we can serve here. We we work for cheaper. Uh, you know, we don't have to go on vacation back to America every two, two years or four years. We don't need to go on safaris. We're a whole lot cheaper. Interestingly, the volunteer short-term American surgeon agreed with him, which I thought was really funny because he had flown himself, his wife, and four children there. So I'm estimating his plane ticket alone costed, you know, $10,000 or something. I'm guessing. I mean, he spent a lot of money coming there. He paid it out of his own pocket. 
but he sort of agreed with the guy. Okay, so there's this idea of, of expense, that being a challenge. Um, and indeed, the cost of supporting a short-term medical missionary is, is quite expensive. Dollar for dollar, day by day, it's an expensive adventure. What's more cost-effective? Uh, if you're going to think about it in those sort of uh, utilitarian terms. Missions is not utilitarian. And, and Tom Hale writes in his book on being a missionary that, you know, if you're starving for medication, are you only going to give the cheap medications or are you just going to give them all the medications they can use? But nonetheless, this issue comes up a lot. Is it really worthwhile? Is it a good way to spend our money? Are we being you know, effective stewards? And then uh, finally, we have this idea that I sort of started off with, the idea of short-term medical missions as a vaccine for long-term medical missions. That is, rather than short-term medical missions being a stepping stone or a way to create interest or, or, or uh, a block on the way to long-term missions, is it in fact preventing people who would otherwise maybe go on long-term missions and, and not and keeping them short-term. Another way to put this, and this is a little harsher way of putting it, in going on a perfunctory short-term medical missions, does the volunteer feel a sense of good deed quota fulfillment, thereby ignoring, disdaining, or maybe just simply neglecting the notion of serving long-term? So I'm not saying that short-term missions is a vaccine, but let's hypothesize for the minute that it is. Why would it be? How does that work? Well, is it because we're, we just simply don't consider it? We go on short-term medical missions and, and the idea just never occurs to us? Maybe we didn't go with long-term missionaries there, we didn't meet any there, or you know, we, we just didn't have it in our head. Do we think that maybe long-term medical missions is um, out of our reach? Uh, it's not within our ability. Do we maybe hold long-term missions up to pedestal um, and say, you know, this, this is for the holy people. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just a medical student. I'm just a nurse, nursing student or something. You know, this is, this is something else. Are we simply caught up, again, slightly more cynical view of it, are we simply more caught up in the novelty of a foreign country, never staying or even wanting to stay long enough to have it wear on us? Are we concerned about giving up our well-planned, well-thought-out, well-described, well-traveled lives? Especially in medicine where so much of our training is set out before us, college, medical school, internship, residency, fellowship, admissions, applications. Like, our entire life is mapped out for 15 years. Very well thought out. Are we just afraid of, am I afraid of just losing control in my life? So this is some, some of the hypotheses behind short-term medical missions as a vaccine. Is there really any evidence for this? Um, is this? Is this a real fact? I submit to you that, uh, well, maybe. So, like I said, no answers. Um, I will say this. There are plenty of secular short-term medical missionaries. Um, and I talked about this in a previous talk. But uh, there are lots, right? And, and two specialties in particular. Uh, one is my own, plastic surgery, and the prototypical two-week cleft lip, cleft palate trip, which is performed by dozens, if not hundreds, of surgeons in the Western world going to hundreds of countries um, in the developing world doing these trips. So short-term, secular. The other one's ophthalmology. So these two specialties, I think, really have done it a lot. They've done it fairly well. Uh, they do a lot of it, and it's very well accepted within uh, the academic and secular circles. So cataract trips and cleft trips. So the question is, if there's a lot of secular short-term medical missionaries, um, are there a lot of long-term secular medical missionaries? 
I mean, if short-term missions is indeed a stepping stone to something bigger, better, more lasting, has a greater impact in development, um, where, where, are the sh- where are the secular long-term medical missionaries? Um, I'm not saying that there aren't, they aren't there. They are. I've, I've met them. There are a few out there, but there's not many. And certainly not enough to uh, compare the ratio of all the, of the, all the short-term secular missionaries that go out in my own field and in ophthalmology. You would think that there would just be a huge glut of long-term plastic surgery missionaries all over the world. There's not. I think there's about six, actually. Of which, like, two of them are here at this conference. Again, I ask this question, and you can think of this sort of in, in the, from the secular standpoint. If, if you're not a Christian and you're just uh, an ophthalmologist wanting to fix 50 clefts in a week, or 50 uh, cataracts in a week, do the volunteers just get enough f- f- fulfillment, just satisfy their quota for goodness, and then return home? I've done my good deed, and now I'll go back to the uh, safety and comfort of home. Sort of the final thing I'll talk about, uh, the mountaintop experience. Um, short-term medical missions naturally lends itself to a spiritual high. That's a complete natural and normal reaction to short-term medical missions, and I don't condemn that at all. I think that's, uh, that's, that's a very good thing and natural thing about short-term trips. So the question is, is it wrong to go on a short-term trip in order to have that high? And... and Again, talking about the issues we just talked about before, now take into the thoughts about the cost of it and, you know, the possibilities of creating dependency. Again, I ask, are short-term medical missions a legitimate way to grow closer to God as opposed to, say, I don't know, a church retreat or something like that back here in America? And the reason this came up is because I, I've had friends who've told me this, you know, point blank. You know, I, I'm feeling really disconnected from God I feel like my prayer life hasn't been very good. I really think I just need to get out of this country and go, you know, go to the, the third world and, and do some medical missions and reconnect with God. I think I just need to take time out from my practice, time out from the hospital, go connect with, with people who are, who are less fortunate than I am. I need that connection. Okay, so they're going, but, but they're going for that purpose, essentially. They're going because they want to reconnect with God. They, they need that high. They feel like they're in the valley. Here, here are my thoughts. Again, these are personal thoughts on this. This is not meant to be authoritative, and if you wish to disagree, you are free to. Um, it is normal. It's a good thing to have that mountaintop experience. I, I personally don't think there's anything inherently sinful about, pers- about pursuing short-term medical missions to gain such experiences, as long as it's recognized that way, um, as long as you understand when you're going on a short-term trip what your motivations are and, you're tr- and you understand what your goals are for that trip. As long as you don't have any delusions of some missiological grandeur, you don't have any delusions that what you're doing is some great self-sacrifice, because really you're not going to sacrifice so much as you are getting, going to gain. You're trying, you're trying to reconnect with God in that sense. So long as you don't have any delusions that you're making a long-term cultural impact. My mentor in Kenya said, you know, the, cult, the culture here is strong. The moment that I leave, the culture washes over me and, and forgets me. In a short-term trip, we're, we're not making long-term cultural impact. You know, We're not going to change the foot-binding practices in, in two weeks. So long as we don't have any delusions that we're affecting morbidity and mortality rates on our little trip. Here's something that uh, Oswald Chambers said in uh, My Utmost Force Highest about being on that mountaintop and that mountaintop experience, that high. The height of the mountaintop is measured 
by the drab drudgery of the valley. But it is in the valley that we have to live for the glory of God. We see his glory on the mount, but we never live for his glory there. It is in the sphere of humiliation that we find our true worth to God. Peter thought it would be a fine thing for them to remain on the mount. But Jesus Christ took the disciples down from the mount into the valley, the place where the meaning of the vision is explained. So, again, in the sphere of humiliation do we find our true worth to God. The answer to all this, like I said, I have very few answers, but here's one that has come out. Compassion cannot be separated from humility. That is, humility is the organ by which we hear the voice and will of God. Compassion is the organ by which we respond to it. Humility is the organ by which we hear the will of God. We hear it in humility. In humiliation, as Walter Chamber says. Compassion, what we all wish to have, is the organ by which we respond to that first humility. Back to the issue of vaccination. Um, I think when doing short-term trips, we should be, I think we must be open to long-term medical missions. That requires us having a humble spirit and an open mind. That means using short-term medical missions specifically to ascertain the potential for us to do long-term medical missions. Again, talking in the first-person plural, but meaning first-person singular. If we conclude that we are not called to long-term medical missions, and I don't believe that every short-term missionary is called to long-term, I think that is, that is a specific calling, then we have to judge what our future role in short-term trips is. Again, I don't think because you haven't been called to long-term missions you should stop doing short-term trips, but I do think that we need to be uh, very careful about how we ascertain our role in short-term trips. Here's a quotation from a professor uh, in the Northwest, actually. And this is what she says about short-term trips. Many of our solutions do not fit, and many are not sufficiently complex. Too many of our mission projects focus on only on children. Too many send carpenters to places where unemployment runs 25%. We like these projects because we can control them. We can succeed. But God gave us brains to get to the root of problems, not to dabble on the surface. When problems are big and complex, efforts at solutions must also be big and complex. We are bad stewards if we stick to simple projects where we can access the knowledge when we can access the knowledge to do more. This is not an honor to God's name on the world scene. So, again, with that in mind, realizing that it's not just a simple short-term mission trip, it never is, that it is complex, that the problems are complex. We, we want to use our short-term missions, I think, in a way that integrates itself with those complex issues. I think uh, having a specific invitation and goal set forth by existing long-term medical missionaries on the field uh, is a good reason for a short-term trip. I think another thing, relieving long-term medical missionaries, this is essentially the work of World Medical Mission, um, is doing a lot of this, uh, relieving them to go on their furlough and their vacations. Um, MEI, right, informal education of the national doctors, I think, also also valid. I also think that uh, exposing family and your children to uh, poverty, to global inequity, and also to the work of the kingdom of God abroad, because Jesus is not just at work in, in America. He's at work 
Some would argue even greater in other places. I think these are these are legitimate ways. So like I said, that's a lot of questions. That's not a lot of answers. A few answers. Um, I'll close with this, another Oswald Chamber. And I'll read the entire thing. This is kind of long, but, but I think it's good. Uh, this came from something that he wrote, The Missionary's Goal. In the natural life, our ambitions alter as we develop. In the Christian life, the goal is given at the beginning. And the beginning and the end are the same, namely, our Lord himself. We start with Christ and we end with him until we attain to the stature of the manhood of Christ Jesus, not to our idea of what the Christian life should be. The aim of the missionary is to do God's will, not to be useful, not to win the heathen. He is useful, he does win the heathen, but that's not his aim. His aim is to do the will of his Lord. In our Lord's life, Jerusalem was a place where he reached the climax of his Father's will on the cross. And unless we go there with Jesus, we will have no companionship with him. Nothing ever discouraged our Lord on his way to Jerusalem. He never hurried through villages where he was persecuted. He never lingered in others where he was blessed. Neither gratitude nor ingratitude turned our Lord one hair's breadth away from his purpose to go up to Jerusalem. The same things will happen to us on our way to Jerusalem. There will be works of God manifested through us. People will get blessed. One or two will show gratitude, and the rest will show gross ingratitude. But nothing must deflect us from going up to our Jerusalem. And there they crucified him. That is the gateway to our salvation. The saints do not end in crucifixion. By the Lord's grace, they end in glory. But in the meantime, we too go up to Jerusalem. That's essentially it. I welcome from all you guys questions, comments, discussions. I know I'm not that amazing. Do you feel like you've changed over the last five years? Absolutely. Yeah. I think. No. Not at all. I think that's part of the reason I I, I put this thing together. the more, the more short-term trips I go on, the more um, critical I am of myself in going on them and the more critical I am of the trips themselves. Um, and, uh, you know, recently I, I've been very, I've tried to be very focused about, specifically for myself, using those trips to ascertain potential for long-term trips. I'm, you know, still several years away from finishing my training because uh, surgery takes forever. But, uh, but, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. A lot of these other issues, though, and like I said, this idea of vaccination really hit me hard when I first heard it. Um, as, a, as a long-term learner, having uh, spent 15 years in West Africa, I, appreciate, I really appreciate your talk. I think it's a great spirit of uh, honesty and openness and uh, humility pretty well balanced. I, um, I really liked your, your last slide of suggestions of what are some really good ways to do short-term medical missions and that. I would just add. I would just add two um, to your list. One is, uh, I think people who return to the same location, you know, year after year, mm-hmm. can actually make a bigger impact because they do get a cumulative. They see Absolutely, yeah. The second and they say, "Oh my gosh, 
that thing we thought we set up and got it going right. it fell apart. Why? Uh, what can I do? You know, what, how can we fit in to make a lasting impact? Um, you know, we're partnering with a long-term missionary or a missionary agency in the same location year after year is a great way. It gets, you know, it, it makes the, uh, the orientation of the team or of you much less burdensome to them because you've been there before, you know, yeah. know the basics. Um, and it lets you begin to make relationships even though they're sporadic, you can still build them. Um, the second one is, is, is to say, well, if I'm not going to go, if I'm not called to go, in my going back, I can bring others and mobilize. Maybe mm-hmm. I can be a mobilizer and challenge others to seek uh, the will of God in their lives. Maybe I can be a team leader. If I'm somebody who likes to do this, maybe I can be a, a team leader. And that, that also, we have uh, somebody who comes out to Liberia every year and brings a team of students. And so he serves as the team leader and yeah. orienter. And stuff. And it's a great role. It takes that burden off the hosts. Right, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for your wisdom. I, I will say this real, real quickly, especially for the students, that, because I was, like I said, I've been here six times. So I've, I've done this a lot. If you're going and looking for a short-term trip in these exhibits, um, I think the reasons you just brought up are very good. Not all exhibits and not all the exhibitors are created alike. There are some that, frankly, you know, don't do short-term mission trips quite as well. They don't have these connections with long-term missionaries. They end up creating a huge burden for the people that go there, and I know this because I've, I've been out there and <laughs> been the burden. Um, so, you know, judge very carefully when you guys go out there uh, and, and, and kind of look into that. I mean, I think you know, I think GHO with CMDA does, does a fairly good job. You know, they're well recognized, but they're that's one out of you know 100 out there. So, when you guys look out there, think about think about that. Anything else? I mean, there's actually very well-published uh, articles and data on this for long-term missionaries, almost as a pattern. You know, I, I've read this. The, the honeymoon phase or the tourist phase lasts for uh, about six months, I'm told. Uh, and around six to eight months, there's a crash, right? And then things have worn off. The drudgery of day-to-day life gets very, very difficult. So there's a crash that lasts for a few months. And, th- and then things start going up. It's very slow. So there's four phases, right? So there's the honeymoon phase and there's a crash. Then there's a phase where you're, where you're slowly getting back on, on track and getting acclimated. And the fourth and final stage is like biculturalism, where you're completely bicultural. And that takes years, right? But yeah, around, around six to eight months. And when I was in Kenya for a year, it happened right on four months. So I crashed. And then I was only there for a year. So I just sort of stayed low. But yeah. Um, but you're right. That, that romantic view of missions uh, with time does get, I think, I get beaten away. But it, it, it takes that. It takes time. Is there anything that plays into also your comment about long-term secular people? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. the reality is you're sacrificing, you're giving things away. 
Absolutely. You know, I mean, there are people, I'll tell you, that don't know Christ that will do some of that, you know, the Peace Corps-ish people. But really, life is full of sacrifice. I've, I've had discussions with, because I've had several friends that go on the Peace Corps who are not Christians. I think for secular work, you know, doing very hard, difficult work in developing countries, um, two years is kind of the limit. That's why the Peace Corps is only two years long. Peace Corps is not three years long. There's a reason for that. Uh, after two years, <laughs> there, there's, another, there's another stepping point right there. Um, there's a reason that a lot of these organizations, when you go out, two years is, is where they, is the time frame they make that. But you're, you're exactly right. And I think that goes back to, um, especially for my colleagues in plastic surgery, you know, they don't, they don't want to give up home. You know, they, they like the idea of going, but then being able to come back anytime, all the time. Very short. Yeah. It's very comforting to them. All right, well, that's about it. Oh, sorry. Do you think there's anything wrong with the idea of going and helping out others and then feeling comfortable as knowing you have a home to come back to? I think it's a dangerous thought, yeah. I think it's dangerous. It's not. It's not wrong. It's not like evil, but it can lead to um, it can lead to a lot of problems. Basically, it can lead to this sense of um, what it boils down to is essentially salvation by works, right? That's eventually, what it boils down to. I'm going out and doing good. I'm helping people, and the focus is on what I'm doing with my talents for you know, quote unquote, God's glory. But yeah. It's not, it's not evil, but, but I think it is dangerous. Yeah? What would you say would be the most important thing that you've learned in your medical mission to explain Oh, man. Um, operate early. <laughs> uh, the, most, the most biggest thing I've learned. Uh, I think it's. Um, I think for me, doing short-term medical missions has given me a better idea of God's work outside of this country, uh, and the way that God cares for every single person, non-Christian and Christian, of every color, of every you know poverty class or wealth class. That sort of love is amazing and is um, essentially unreproducible outside of of the context of the gospel. And even within the gospel, it's very difficult for us to have that love to all those people. But seeing people from different cultures and realizing every single one of them is equally loved by God is pretty amazing. Are you looking at I'm still looking, yeah. Yeah, it's still, on, it's, still, it's still on the field. It's still on the table. I just want to compliment you. This has been an excellent, excellent talk. And certainly took courage and conviction and humility. And I think your talk alone was I really wish you would have answered some of those questions. Because <laughs> we all need to struggle with our own answers to those questions. And, and uh, I, I think you've been a model for what we all need to do. Thanks. I know you guys have been lectured out. Um, yeah, final question. Do you think we should still encourage non Christians to go on mission trips then? You know, um, I think a few years ago I would have said no, actually. And uh, I've, I've changed that now. Uh, and the, re- the reason for that is a couple. One's Dan Poneru. I don't know if you guys know him. He's the pediatric surgeon at Kidabe. 
If you hear his testimony sometime, he basically weaseled his way into missions and as a result of his experience, you know, became a kingdom worker. Um, so I think that potential exists in, the, in, the, in a certain context. And I think um, if you get a secular person out into short-term missions long enough for them to see some of these issues that we talked about, some of these challenges to short-term missions, some of the things that are not quite so you know, romantic about it, I think it does provide an opportunity for, for us as Christians to discuss those issues with them and to bring up the idea that you, know, you, can, you can go to Haiti for two weeks and fix some legs and you know, operate on some people. But, like, that's not going to fix Haiti. Haiti was still a problem before the earthquake. Um, so I think it does bring up the opportunity to sort of share with our secular colleagues about our belief systems, our worldviews, and our, and our motivations. So. Okay. Thank you so much for coming.